Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. All right. In a shocking turn of events, Kim and Corey Bierman are not, in fact, getting divorced. And the entire thing is called off, which is just so not the way I was expecting to start this podcast. Not at all. But I have to ask you, like, is this a little bit par for the course in the sense of it's been such a whirlwind divorce that we never saw coming in the first place that it's kind of like, of course, they then changed their mind and whipped back? Or is this more of a we're starting to doubt that the divorce was ever real in the first place? I don't really know. It feels kind of crazy to me. I don't necessarily know how to answer that question because I feel it's a very bizarre spot to be in as the public receiving this when you have been so invested. Because if you remember when this news initially broke, Isabel and I were in straight up denial. We were like, there is no way. This has to be financially motivated. This was the couple that say what you want about them. Yes, they're over the top. Yes, they're ridiculous at times. They may not be your pace, but no one was doubting their love. Like It just seemed like this very kind of out of the box love story that really worked out into this fairy tale, a, a bizarre fairy tale, but a fairy tale at that. And then as it started to get nastier, we were like, oh shit, maybe this isn't legal or financially motivated. Maybe things have really just changed and they've fallen out of love and it's about to get messy. So we spent a solid like three weeks reorienting ourselves into this new reality. And now this comes and I'm like, I do not know what to believe. It got really bad. Like it got the type of bad that you can't really bounce back from. And it seems like they're attempting to bounce back pretty quickly. I mean, this got very, 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 very messy. And so even what happened first was seeing them going to church together as a family from our understanding as the public, like you said, we were led to believe that they were staying in the same house, but couldn't even stand to be near each other, like staying in separate wings. So then to see them at church together, was like, whoa, this is crazy that they're even able to stand each other to take their families to church together. And then so for it to come out a couple of days later that, you know, divorce is called off. It's like, wow, that was some fucking sermon that was giving at church that day. 
Well, okay, so the photos that Julie's talking about of them going to church with their kids, those were taken on Sunday, July 2nd. They were released by TMZ on Thursday, July 6th. And then the TMZ article announcing that the divorce was off broke on TMZ the next day, July 7th at 11 a.m. So it was a very coordinated rollout, which, I mean, that is the one part of all this that is the most on brand. Because if there's one thing they're going to do, they are going to coordinate the rollout with as much media attention as physically possible. I just, exactly, I agree with you. There, there was no buffer. It was like, it went from things are so bad. She's demanding that he get drug tested. She does not trust him with the kids. He's saying that she is a gambling addict that has lost all their money. Some major accusations are hurling and then boom, they're at church. I am like obsessed with the idea of like one pastor solving this entire marriage. Like they're at some convention and everyone's talking about all of the miracles they've done. Like one pastor is like, I cured a kid from being blind. Like I also turned water to wine. Like I did that too. And then somebody's like, wait till you guys hear this. I (laughs) fixed Kim and Croy's marriage. You know what? That's the one I'm the most impressed by. Well, and as a total side note, and I haven't even watched this yet because Isabel and I don't record the Bravo episode until Wednesday, but on this most recent Sunday night episode of Housewives of Atlanta is when Kim made her very anticipated cameo and she's sitting down at the table with Sheree talking about how great her marriage to Croy is, saying to Sheree that she thinks about her often because as we all know, it was at Sheree's event that Kim met Croy for the first time and then you know ended up falling in love. So... I would be lying to you if I said that that doesn't feel suspiciously timed, specifically given the fact that for the last year or so, she has been teasing a potential return to reality TV, not necessarily Houses of Atlanta, but either a different spinoff, a continuation of her spinoff, whatever whatever that, that is. So, you know, typically I would give the couple the benefit of the doubt. This is just one where we know how they operate and fame is very much a focus that it does feel like a deeply coordinated rollout on all fronts. Yeah, I would describe the timing of it all as as very, very suspicious. I mean, although I feel like if the play here is to get a reality show back or a new reality show, don't you want to drag this on as long as possible? Like if I'm if I'm looking for a reality show, right? And like I want to kind of swoop in and give the viewers eyes on what their life now looks like, Kim and Croy's like through the divorce, through the financial issues. Like, this is what makes quality TV. How are you going to fix your marriage before the cameras even come in? Well, I actually think if I'm them, it gives me such an opportunity to control the narrative in exactly the way that I want. Because now we don't have to watch them go through their hardships. We only get to allow them to narrate it. You know what I mean? Like, it's a. if I'm them, listen, I'm not saying... I don't know what the deal is here. I, I'm, I'm not qualified enough on the legal and financial aspects of it to say, one, if that was the motive here, and second of all, if it was exactly how that would work. So I'm not even pretending that. But let's just say that this was legit, yet it was really amped up for the purposes of a strong comeback to reality TV. Let's take a more cynical approach and, and just go with that for a second. If I'm them, it's like kind of genius, actually, because it allows the audience to feel as though you're being really vulnerable, feel as though you're filming through what is a deeply hard time in your marriage. Yet really, you now have the ability to retell the story in exactly the way that you want. Like, it's so not the approach that I would normally have when talking about a story like this. It's just knowing them and watching them for so many years. It does feel kind of exactly like something they would do. And by the way, I say that as a fan of them. Like, I think they are so much fun to watch. I was a Don't Be Tardy fan for forever. It's just like the craziest scenario I can imagine. But also then again, like, you know, thinking about them 
as they operate yet. I wouldn't put it past them necessarily, but it does feel crazy to do that with kids involved. Well, right. So to look at it from that angle for a second, we know that on Friday, they both filed to dismiss their petitions for divorce. And via TMZ, it says, our sources say the two are really getting along well at the moment and want to figure out how to make things work, especially for the sake of their four young kids. We're told love was never an issue between the two and they've got a solid core. Which like, let's say we want to take that at face value for a second and they really are trying to make it work for the kids. My question is just, how to go from 100 to zero so quick? Because the kids did not feel to be a consideration in the heat of the nastiness. Right. I I don't have the answer to that question. I don't know. The whole thing is is very confusing to me. The whole timeline of things is really confusing. I also think what's very interesting is that usually when you see a celebrity divorce get contentious in this way, it's like photos are taken and then they're released the next day. Like there's very little turnaround time between event and TMZ report. Whereas what you notice if you're looking through the timeline of this and all of the dates as I was putting this outline together is that it's like something happens, a call to the police, a report from a friend, a photo taken. And then it's like a couple of days or a month later that it comes out. It's like a very odd timeline of like clearly shopping the story around. Right, which is why all of those little factors certainly lead me to believe, which is a very common take online, that a lot of this is really just amped up, like we talked about, for the purposes of a strong comeback to reality TV to make it more juicy, to make it more enticing, to guarantee a certain amount of the numbers going in, which I am not ruling that out again because we're talking about these specific people. But the one thing, being a Bravo viewer who has watched them for so many years, you know that for Kim, potentially above all else, she absolutely hates like her, quote, haters being validated. She will go to extreme lengths to make sure that anything people that dislike her could be saying is never proven true. You know, she is deny, deny, deny. And so I wonder if we're taking the angle of she's just doing this to cause drama and to have a strong comeback. I wonder to myself, like, what is more worth it for her? The check that could come with that and the fame that could come with that or the fact that forever now there is this like stain on their perfect story. Because to me, everything that I know about Kim It's like those two things are even, her desire for fame and money and also her absolute inability to even remotely accept the idea that anyone who doubted her relationship could be correct. And so that's where I'm struggling. I don't know if anyone else who's watched them for years feels similarly. Here's the thing though. When you're having financial troubles in the way they reportedly are, the need for the check then takes priority because it's no longer a choice that you have. Like you no longer, I guess if you're playing the game, you no longer, if you're being forced to choose, get the opportunity to choose between which of those two things is more important to you because one is now a pressing issue that you have to solve. Right. And then I guess if we want to go down that line of thinking for a second, my view of Kim is that her two absolute worst nightmares would be people being validated in their doubts of her marriage and number two, people being validated in their doubts of her money. And I think that if I'm her and I'm choosing between the two based on everything we've seen of her, she would actually rather have people maybe have some validity to their doubts in her marriage than have any validity in their doubts of her fortune. Like she is so deeply defensive of any claims at financial issues that I actually could imagine her going to these lengths. I'm just, you know, totally spitballing here, but I could actually see her going to far greater lengths to preserve that and create this whole shitstorm. Again, I'm not saying that's the case. I know this is a deeply like cynical, speculative approach to this whole thing, but it's just, she's not the kind of person that you can watch for so many years and then not 
try to think what is going through her mind because she's such a unique human being. Like I really have never seen another figure like her on reality TV. Yeah. I mean, I think it's natural for you to go down that road. I think everybody probably is. I think Andy probably sitting here doing the exact same thing right now. I just, yeah, it was, it it was crazy. No, I mean, Andy was rocked by this. When this happened, he was on Radio Andy saying that he was completely shocked by this. They were one of the last couples on Bravo that he ever expected this happening to because you really did buy into their love story. And I guess maybe the fact that at the core of it, I really did believe that even with all the bullshit they were so in love is is maybe one of the reasons that it's making my mind spiral into all of these places. Because like, I actually could far more believe that they have always remained in love and this whole thing was put on for the show and their drive for fame and money and relevance than it was them actually having marital problems because that one actually seems far more on brand. Yeah, it's like funny, like which would you rather? It's almost like... Personally, and I know Isabel would agree with this, I would rather them put on this whole show just to gain public interest because you know what? At least that's being true to themselves. Right. Because like also the only area of their lives in which you had like high expectations for was was their marriage. So like the idea that they would be pulling this ploy, but like still married and in love and and have the relationship you always thought they did. It's like, yeah, that that would make sense to you. That would make more sense to you than the idea that like they really were about to get divorced and then decided to call it off. And then in most situations like that, where it becomes that contentious and then you call it off for the sake of the kids, they're going to end up going down this road again if it is real. And so I think, yeah, you're like, you would rather them do the thing that is just like so clearly wrong in terms of like almost faking it for the sake of the check or continued reality TV or relevancy or whatever it is and saying so true to their character in every single way, shape, and form, especially with their marriage, then like have it be the alternative of like what you never saw coming. Right. That it's like all of a sudden earth shattering that Kim and Croy Bierman, who was Bravo's most stable and consistent couple, are going through the throes of like one of the nastiest divorce battles we've seen. Like, sorry, that wasn't a reality that I was accepting. I had come to accept it, but I was shook. Whereas this... They're just being fame hungry and kind of having deeply questionable morals in the process. That's actually exactly the Kim and Croy that we've known. Right. It's, it's almost like, what is it? It's like that expression, like the devil you know is, is better than the devil you don't. That's almost how I feel about this. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. and then. I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the Viral Turquoise Tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. 
That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. I'm going to tell you guys right now, we are going to drag out this Michael Rubin White Party content as long as physically possible. And luckily, we got an update on what we were talking about last week with the Kim and Brady rumors. So... As we know, last week, there's this tip to Dumois that says, this A-list reality star was spotted being flirty friendly and chatting up that athlete at last night's party of a certain color out East, friends or maybe more, which of course everyone assumed was Kim and Tom Brady. So this week to People, there are three separate sources. The first says, they said hi briefly when she arrived at the party. Later in the evening, Kim had some liquid courage and was overheard telling friends she has a crush on Tom. Second source said, Kim and Tom barely even spoke at the party and barely even said hello. The third source says, they are friends and have a lot of respect for each other. Kim is very focused on her kids and her businesses and not in a relationship right now. Which is kind of like, I mean, take your pick, whichever one aligns more with where your head's at on this. It's like the three little bears of sources. I know. I mean, one thing that I do want to mention, it is so minor, but this first one that says, they said hi briefly when she arrived at the party. Later in the evening, Kim had some liquid courage and was overheard telling friends she has a crush on Tom. Okay, so if you remember when we were talking about this last week and we were outlining the scenario that we envisioned happening, we were saying, yeah, Kim probably was a little bit flirty. She was probably holding a drink that she was sipping all night because as we know, Kim is not a drinker. Like it is just not her thing. But last week she responded to that tweet that was asking whether or not she was drinking. She was like, oh yeah, I I had probably 11 shots, which there's no world in which she had 11 shots. But even her acknowledging the fact that she was uncharacteristically drinking. I read that first one and I'm like, hmm, is there a world that Kim was a little bit tipsy and openly talking about it? Like it still feels so unlikely to me, but just having that one tweet in the back of my mind even allows me to briefly consider this for a moment. The way that I feel about this whole thing and like the fact that this Kim Tom Brady thing keeps popping up, it's weird to say, but it almost leads me to believe that like if it isn't happening, it's going to. And the only thing I can compare it to is like, I guess like being at college, if there was like one person where you were in such a small environment where like you had less options of who you were going to hook up with, right? And so like there was like one person where like everybody just assumed you were going to hook up and then you like kind of had this relationship with them, but it almost fed off the fact that everybody else thought it. So it ended up happening. That's how I feel about Kim and Tom Brady. It's like, He's single, you're single. Everybody's kind of talking about it. People are kind of running with this narrative. There's not that many people for either of you to really choose from right now in this place in your lives. Like it probably is just going to happen based on all of the chatter. Does that make sense to you? I actually want to connect that to something that Kim said on episode two of Kardashians, which I'll say in one second. I just want to preface by saying like, I still 1000% cannot see Kim and Tom Brady. However, I like kind of get what you're saying of there's so much talk about this. Is it just going to happen and we're just going to be dead wrong? Like, wouldn't be the first time. We can come back to that in a second. But in episode two, in that scene with Chloe and Scott, when she says to them, you know, even in the dating conversation, once there's a story about you, you start to believe the hype that you're together and, oh my God, this is hot and heavy. And it's like everywhere and everyone thinks you guys are practically getting married in a week, which is different, but kind of similar to what you're saying in that 
she has acknowledged, which to me, I remember I was talking about this at the time we were doing our episode recap. Like that was the first time we ever really heard Kim talk about how the way the media covers something potentially infiltrates the way that she views the situation. Like we've heard them many times deal with the toll that it takes on them, but it was the first time where she was like, you know, it, it kind of changes your view because you start to believe what they're saying, which I wonder if even in a situation where nothing has occurred, it can kind of have that same effect where she's like, am I like kind of crushing on Tom Brady? And that's not a thought that I would have ever had until when she said that in episode two. And it even just showed me that like, that's a thought she could have. Right. Well, there's two parts of that where it's like, everybody's talking about it. Well, let me backtrack for a second, actually. When you said before, I still don't necessarily see them together, but the way that you're explaining it almost makes me feel like, is this going to happen and we're all going to be wrong? The way I feel about it is like, I don't think that we would necessarily be wrong other than like the idea of not being able to see it because I don't think it's a situation where it happened and then we heard about it and then it came out. I think that this would be a situation where it was like the rumors started, there was no validity to them and then the rumors kept going and people kept kind of breathing life into it. And then as a result of that, it kind of progressed into something. So with that being said, the what you're talking about in terms of it kind of like infiltrating our thought process is very twofold and also very relatable in terms of what I was saying, which is the first thing, the idea gets planted in your head. So like other people are talking about it, you hear it and it's like, you almost take it as if it's your own idea, but then it's somebody else's idea, but it's brewing for you. The second part of it is like, because people are talking about it and because other people kind of put the idea in your head, it's an automatic seal of approval. When everyone else is saying it, like, oh, we could so see this happening or like, oh, we think you should hook up. It's like automatically built in. I know that if I do take this next step, I don't have to go through the process of wondering what other people are going to think because right off the bat, people are kind of already into the idea or they've already warmed themselves up to the idea. Right, which like, I do not think at this phase in Kim's life when it comes to romantic endeavors that she's doing something for that reason. Whereas like with many other scenarios, I think she absolutely would do something for either the the public reaction, the shock factor, the fact that she knows is what everyone is expecting and banking on. Like there's many things she would lean into with that. With dating, I, I do not believe it's something she would do. However, I just wonder about the conflation, you know, like what about when those two things mix? The appeal of this person being pre-vetted by the public then starts to bleed into your own viewing of whether or not you're into them. Like it's such an unrelatable concept in some ways. I mean, I guess on some level it is because there's a much smaller scale that exists, like you said, you know, in a college setting or even just a friend group or, you know, everyone's banking on something. I guess it could make you consider the idea. It's just, this is such a massive scale that I don't think any of us could really try to understand what that's like. I, it's, I don't know. It's, this is like a whole new angle of, forget about celebrity dating. I'm talking like real A-list celebrity dating that I never, ever thought about until she said it in that confessional. I know. I wouldn't have thought about it that way either. But it, like once she said it, you're right. It really made me look at dating and celebrity dating differently, especially celebrity dating as an A-list in the caliber that Kim is and also that Tom Brady is. You know what it is also is like, I agree. I don't think Kim necessarily cares so much about what the public thinks of the person that she's dating, like within reason. I think as long as they're not super problematic and it's not another Kanye repeat, 
Kim is not concerning herself with the way that the public is going to react, mainly because no matter what she does, it's going to create a media circus. And it's always going to be mixed a little bit positive, a little bit negative. But above positive and negative for Kim is just talk. As long as people are talking and as long as people are invested, like that's where Kim thrives. I think what's interesting about it in terms of like the quote approval is when her friend group starts to then have that in their heads because of the media. We're like, it's very much a thing that you could see them talking about where like Tracy would pull out her phone and be like, it's another article about you and Tom. I don't know, Kim. Like, I think there's something here. Like, I don't think it's the worst idea now that I'm hearing it. We're like, it takes away the process of approval within the inner circle because they've already warmed up to the idea, let alone the public. Well, yeah, and that's why the idea from that first source, which again, take with a massive grain of salt, who knows if there's any validity to that, but the idea of Kim being a little tipsy at Michael Rubin's white party in his $50 million Southampton property turning to Lala and being like, I don't know, I think I'm kind of crushing on Tom. And Lala being like, I honestly think you should go for it. Lala is prime example of having that idea in her head and not being able to let it go. I know. Like, that is what I keep visualizing. Because the thing is, Kim's friend group, at least from what we've seen, they do kind of operate like, and I mean this in the best way possible, like, I don't want to say like high school girls, but they get excited over stuff like this. You know what I mean? Like, they are down for the flirt. And I, I actually think it's it's one area, you know, we always talk about when discussing Kardashians, you're always seeking things that they are not jaded by because so much of their life has just become so unrelatable and so exciting that at a certain point they're numb to it. Like I actually think because dating in some ways has become so complicated, the very simple act of flirting and that little flirtatious connection, I actually think excites them maybe more so than it does your average person because it's not so often that like she's engaging in that way because her guard is so up and because who she lets in is so minimal. It's like this weird reverse. You know what I mean? I do. I weirdly know what you mean. Like, I I don't think it's necessarily, which I know this is not how you mean it, just in terms of like clarification for anybody listening. Like, it's obviously not necessarily like the idea of flirting with somebody is exciting or like them flirting back. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe they're talking to me type of thing. That's so, of course, not it. It's just the idea of doing something as simple as flirting is something that I think that she derives so much happiness from. And I think that that's the thing with them, right? That we always talk about when watching the show is like the idea of going to the supermarket is so fun and exciting for them. And like Kim always talks about the little things. And that's what it was with Pete. It was like the being able to go to the movies or get dibs. Like those little things are so exciting to her. I think flirting is like the number one thing that falls into that category. I think that's like a very relatable thing too, that if you're single or even if you're, I don't want to say even if you're not single, but if you're single, no matter how old you get, I don't think the act of flirting and being desired and having fun in that way gets old. And so I think the same thing stands for fame. I literally think flirting is a basic human right. Like it is, no, I'm sorry. It, it, it's, there's nothing like I agree. it. There's I agree. nothing like it. And I think that even if you, honestly, specifically, if you are Kim Kardashian, you just went through the fucking ringer. You're actively going through the ringer with Kanye. Like, I think that some harmless flirtation is probably exactly what the doctor ordered. Also, Kim posted the other day the picture of her and Lala and wrote the caption, if you see us happy, just leave us alone, please. We deserve this. Like, to me, it's like, those are two girls who are ready to have, like, a fucking fun summer. 
I know. I mean, that is my ideal single duo. But when you said Kim posted, I thought you were going to say that in her roundup for Michael Rubin's White Party, she posted a photo of her and Kylian Mbappe, who's a soccer player. He's 24 years old. She had met him previously when she took Saint and his friends on that whole soccer trip. But there was a video from the White Party of her trying to get a photo with him. Like before she posted the photo, there was a video that went semi-viral where you can tell like she's actively trying to get a photo. So when that came, everyone thought that the Dumois tip was in response to that. I truly do not feel that way. I still think the Dumois tip is Brady related. I think that this was the very same energy as like your dad runs into Kim Kardashian at Craig's and takes a picture for you. I think this is her taking a picture with him because she knows how cool it is for Saint. I swear to God. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if you think that that's the case here, then you're not paying close enough attention. This is Saint's favorite player. That's Kim and mom mode right there. Exactly. That's what I was saying. To me, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's the one that she's framing for Saint's room. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. <laughs> Are Carly and Timmy still together? You know what I said. I told you that I, even though it was quiet, I still thought things were happening. I kind of like, I think I think there's a chance it's very much still going on. I don't think it's the craziest thing that we would get a paparazzi photo or, or some sort of something. Is your position that until we hear otherwise, like until yes. a, a TMZ report breaks that, yeah. That is exactly my position. I could have seen them breaking up after those photos got released, but I never expected those photos to exist in the first place. So like, I I, I feel like I'm really operating in the dark here. I, I genuinely don't know. I don't even know though, let's say they ended. I don't even know if I would ever use the term breaking up. Like I'm not prepared to say they're dating, dating. I just certainly feel like they're hanging out. And honestly, I could just see them having fun together. Like I think Kylie is just in this phase of, wanting to have fun. And I do feel like he's a really fun person to be around. Yeah, I would think so too. I just, I've never felt like I've had less insight into what a potential relationship of two stars of this caliber would be, especially like somebody in the Kardashian-Jenner, because even with Kendall, who is clearly the most private of all of them, we still get a little bit of insight. We still get something. This is like, I have no fucking idea. 
I'll tell you one thing though. You want a photo that would blow North in the pink golf cart with Pete out of the fucking water, Stormy and Timmy walking through Hidden Hills. I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Again, and I still say this, I still go back to this point. To me, Kylie and Timmy do not exist within the same universe. To me, it is like the episode of like uh, the Fairly Odd Parents and what was it? Jimmy Neutron or whatever that did the crossover event where they like went into each other's universe and they ended up like being flat and 2D or like, that's what it is for me. It's like, I, they'd have to cross portals to be able to hang out. <laughs> I don't know, Julie. I like came around on this way quicker than you did. It's such an interesting, I feel like role reversal for us because of how into Timmy you are in a way that I'm not. You would think that, you know, you being so into Timmy and obviously being so into Kylie that it would be more of a seamless transition. I don't know how, all of a sudden I just, something hitting me. It's not that I wouldn't like be happy for them to be together. Like, I fucking hope this is true. Like when I close my eyes before I go to bed and I, I'm going to say to myself, please let that be true. But it's just like, I can't picture it. It's like, I can't picture them existing in any sort of shared overlapped space. And so I want it to be true so badly. Like I would be obsessed with them as a couple. If they started posting regularly, I would literally lose my mind. It's not necessarily that I can't even see them getting along or dating. I literally cannot see them existing in the same world. Let me just ask you a question. Couldn't you kind of see Timmy chatting it up with Kris Jenner in her kitchen? I can see Timmy and Kris Jenner. I can't see Timmy and Kylie. I can really see Timmy and Kris Jenner, though. I actually could see them getting along royally. But here's the thing with Kris Jenner. There's not one single world that I can't see her fitting seamlessly into. You put Kris Jenner into any space and she will be one with the space. Honestly, <laughs> if I'm watching that Fairly Odd Parents Jimmy Neutron collab and Kris Jenner pops up, I'm not even I'm not even batting a fucking eye. If I see her pop up, I'm like, oh, you're here to represent Chip Skylark, of course. I can see that motherfucker in the tips and I think she'd fit right on in. Mr. Mosby would love her. Chip Skylark would not know the amount of brand deals with different teeth companies. <laughs> Moon is shaking that he couldn't, that they couldn't sign Chip Skylark. No, but I'll tell you right now, he's about to get the deal of a fucking lifetime with Crest White Strips. No, forget about it. Too <laughs> much for me. Not Chris Jenner managing Chip Skylark. What else? What else we got in the box? <laughs> it's getting no, to that I time can't. of night. <laughs> I am actually oh losing it. Oh my God, that is fucking funny. Wait, you guys, you know what else we didn't even talk about? Kim and Chris at the Dolce & Gabbana show in Puglia. Yes, of course, there was her in the black dress with the black veil, which like, if I'm Courtney, this is a code red. Like, I just absolutely cannot be viewing that content because this is the Dolce Vita lifestyle. But Kim in that purple dress took my breath away. I am prepared to go on record and say that that is top five favorite looks she has ever worn, ever. Regal. Also, not to sound like my grandparents who are on top of me about this all the time, but like, I, I do realize that no one smiles with teeth anymore. Like, it was so nice to see Kim smile. But that's what I was going to say. She looked so genuinely happy. And not to say she like, has been looking sad recently, but maybe it's because, you know, we're watching the show where in what's going on at the show, she's in the depths of like some deeply traumatizing circumstances and there is a general sadness about her. And so, you know, to come off of that episode and then to see this photo of her where she's just beaming, I was just really happy for her. 
I mean, it was such excellent timing too. This episode comes out, and I think that's something that happened last season, definitely for sure, but maybe since the new Hulu has returned, is that maybe Chloe stuff aside, there hasn't been this like viral moment that everyone has attached themselves to of the Kardashians. And this really blew up. Like the idea of the Dolce Vita lifestyle and the fight about you stole my wedding country. Like it's been very memed and very talked about. And I think that in the three seasons of the Kardashians, this is now like the most viral moment that has existed. Like it reminded me very much of the way that we used to talk about old Kardashians. It felt very reminiscent of that. And so for Kim to be having this moment amidst her moment felt so right and so Kim and so like on top of the world of her that it fits so perfectly. And then on top of that, it was like, we were now all involved in this joke of like, oh, Courtney's leaving the family group chat. Like, Courtney, the Black Veil, forget about it. Like, it, it could not have been better timing. What about when she announced the Alani Nutrition collab today and she's in, like, a white bathing suit and the caption is a lemon and everyone was like, oh, no, now she's coming for the whites and lemons that Courtney was talking about. Like, people are running with this. I love having this shared joke. I love when my favorite version of Kardashians is when it exists in this capacity. I think it also makes it a lot more fun because it then takes it out of the realm of just people that are fans of the show. And it's like, even the people that are not fans of them are happy to engage when their content becomes a meme, like even if it's from the angle of just making fun of it. And so it becomes this larger discourse. There were a million memes about the Dolce Vita lifestyle that I can 100% tell you were made by people that never watched the episode. And like, it just doesn't matter. I went to dinner the other night and every single course of pasta that came out, I checked in with the entire 10 person table and I was like, and everyone's still living their best Dolce Vita life. I just want to confirm. And they're like, (laughs) but you know what? Normally, I think that if you said the same joke over and over again, people would be annoyed. Every single person, every single time was like, our Dolce Vita lifestyle, like everyone is so in on it. Yeah. I will never look at a bowl or a plate of pasta the same way ever again. Like forever, anytime I eat Italian food, that is the Dolce Vita lifestyle. Oh, and another thing, huge for Instagram captions. I saw like four of those this week. I I, I was upset that I didn't have an Instagram myself to put up. I mean, what are the odds if you just so happened to be in Italy this last week? Forget about Italy the Dolce Vita lifestyle can be anything. That's what's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's transferable. It can be used however you want it. If you're tripping on an edible in your bed, you're living your own Dolce Vita lifestyle. Yep. <laughs> we, were, we were living our Dolce Vita lifestyle last night, were we not? Everything we do always <laughs> is us living our best Dolce Vita lifestyle. And don't you forget it. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. 
So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, really switching gears here, but something that we did want to discuss is everything that has gone on with Jonah Hill and his ex-girlfriend, Sarah Brady, this last week. Just for anyone unfamiliar, Sarah Brady is a professional surfer and model. Her and Jonah began dating in 2021, and they split sometime in 2022. It's unclear exactly when they split, but as we know, he recently welcomed a baby with his current girlfriend, Olivia Millar, sometime around the end of May of this year. Anyway... You know, we had seen photos of him and Sarah dating many times throughout their relationship. I wouldn't say it was by any means a very public relationship, but it was certainly one that people knew existed. Anyway, so this last week, Sarah posted multiple texts on her story that she had received from Jonah at the time that they were dating, you know, over the course of their relationship. And she wrote, this is a warning to all girls. If your partner is talking to you like this, make an exit plan. She said, I too struggle with mental health, but I do not use it to control people like he did to me. It's been a year of healing and growth. And she posts, like I said, various screenshots. We can put the link in the description if you want to see all of them with your own eyes. One of them, and she wrote the caption, fuck it, was a text from him that said, plain and simple, if you need surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures, friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful, I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there will be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for romantic partnership. My boundaries with you based on the way these actions have hurt our trust. Which there were other texts like this. We can put a link in the description if you want to see all of them. We're not going to go through every single one. But it, it was very much the theme of Jonah expressing what he refers to as his boundaries, yet with a deeply overwhelming, controlling 
tone and a general controlling nature to the things that he was claiming he needed. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that what the conversation has been sparked as a result of this is the dangers of what Jonah Hill is doing here, which is using therapy talk as a way to make it seem like what he is saying and doing and controlling of his girlfriend is okay. You throw the word boundaries in and all of a sudden it's something that your therapist has taught you how to say. And it's something that is acceptable because you are outlining what you need in a relationship. Meanwhile, if you take the word boundary away and you sum up what these texts are, it's Jonah saying to her, do all of these things or I will leave you. There was multiple texts that she also posted of, you know, him going through her Instagram and saying what she needed to delete. It's it's it, it's controlling no matter what um, word is is used to to explain it from his point of view. But also, I think what is then being misunderstood is what like the definition of a boundary is. Where like a definition of a boundary is what you yourself decide to do or what you yourself are okay with, not what you can tell somebody else to do. So for example, when Jonah Hill lists all of these things that he expects of her to not surf with other men, even though that was the profession he knew she had when he started dating her, the idea of a boundary is my boundary is that I don't like those things. So I'm not going to enter a relationship with somebody who does those. A boundary is not, I am going to enter a relationship and then change everything about this person and then do it under the guise of, well, that's my boundaries. Well, right. And it's not just changing the things about the person. It's on top of that, holding an ultimatum over their head that if you do not change these things, I will no longer be in a relationship with you. Which the irony of this entire situation is that they met by him DMing her. He came across her Instagram. He was interested enough to reach out to her, to want to get to know her. He was fully aware of her career as both a model and a surfer, the way that she made a living for herself. And then throughout the process of their dating, when all of a sudden that no longer worked for him based on an issue he was clearly having within himself in terms of whether you want to say not feeling entirely secure in the relationship, not feeling entirely secure within himself, you know, potentially projecting the way that he felt other men were viewing her, which by the way, is not her problem. Whatever got him to that point, it, it was then presented in a way that really you know, put the onus on her as though because he is presenting it through this very therapized lens, that he is the party that needs to be respected. And this is the definition of respect. Where if you actually go through this, like if we were to go over each bullet point, surfing with men, okay, part of her career, to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures. These are all of the things that you were initially enticed by that led you into a relationship with this person. Yeah, I mean, what about when he outlines who she's allowed to be friends with and what type of friends she's allowed to have and what she's allowed to do with those friends and she's allowed to get coffee with them, but she's not allowed to hang out. Like, it it was, it just was an extreme amount of control that he was trying to have over her, which I think is a really dangerous thing. And I also think that in a situation like this, when you start to outline what your partner can and can't do, it becomes very emotionally manipulative and becomes very emotionally abusive. And there was so much discourse online about what category this falls into or what was, I mean, it's such stupid opinions. And then also some, you know, interesting conversation that arose from this. I just think that people have a really difficult time when they see something like this, understanding the concept of like, yeah, it's it's this that you're seeing now in terms of him telling her what he can, can't do for the sake of the relationship existing, but it's all a process and it's all a um, evolvement of the way that emotional manipulation and abuse happens and can happen. And I think that 
what's being outlined here and what people need to understand from seeing something like this is like, these are kind of the ways in which it starts. These are a lot of warning signals. And that's what she was saying in her post is like, if you see somebody start to talk to you like this, if your partner is approaching like this, like make an exit plan. Whereas like things are only going to get worse from here. Things escalate from here. And I just think that it was a really, really, um, I'm going to use the word interesting when I mean annoying and like dehumanizing experience to say the way that people spoke about this online as if like this was a totally appropriate and like acceptable thing to say to your girlfriend and your partner and you are brave and uh, responsible for outlining what your quote boundaries are when that was not at all in the slightest what was occurring here. No. And in addition to everything you said that I 100% agree with, something that I also was responding to was just the the general tone of shame that he was really attempting to place on her. You know, his goal in this is he wants her to feel shameful for doing these activities that he listed as being things she was not allowed to do. And hopefully she would recognize that this was shameful enough behavior that she would understand not to do it as a way to maintain this relationship. And that's something that I really take issue with, his clear intention of making her feel shamed for doing something that was objectively not at all wrong, which let's just go a step further. If he genuinely was not okay with dating someone that posted these photos, that surfed as a career and because of surfing as a career would surf with men, that had friendships with women that he deemed as being in unstable places, I'm not sitting here to tell Jonah Hill that he should get over it and be able to be in that relationship. If, listen, you know yourself better than anyone else knows you. If you know that you are not capable of that, that is 100% fine. It is then on you to say, I'm going to remove myself from this relationship because clearly it doesn't serve me. It's not on you to change her entire way of being and submit her into shame in order to maintain the relationship. That's where he went wrong. Right. And the whole discourse of is so many people saying like, well, she could have left him. She could have left him. And yeah, I agree. She, she could have like this, like, I, I understand that reaction. I'm, I'm not going to lie and say I don't, but also so could he have, instead of changing everything about her, instead of trying to control her, he could have removed himself from the situation. If those are your boundaries, that's what boundaries are. That's removing yourself. That's saying, I thought I could be with somebody who um, post themselves online like this. I saw your content. I really liked in the beginning. It's somebody, it, it made me interested in getting to know you and made me attracted to you. And I wanted to, to date you. But like now I'm realizing that I'm not secure enough to be in that position. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but like, this isn't going to work out anymore. He had every single right. And it was well within his ability to do that as well. And he did not, he chose to try to attempt to control her. And so like, you know, I just think that it is just such a clear thing the way that men's insecurities are then put so on display in their relationships to the point where it then embarrasses or shames the woman they're with. We just saw this happen with Kiki Palmer and the father of her child where she was out at the Usher concert and dancing with Usher in the way that Usher does with a lot of the women at his concert and dressed in a way where he felt that it was inappropriate. And instead of, by the way, which it was totally an option to do, I don't agree with this. I don't think that there's any scenario in which your partner should be telling you and controlling how you look or dress. 
that he could have called her right up or texted her and said that he felt uncomfortable with that. Instead, he shamed her publicly on the internet and then doubled down on his claims as if it was okay to shame the mother of his child publicly. And then you saw the internet react like, well, what'd he do wrong? He didn't like that his wife, that, that his girlfriend and the mother of his child was dressing in a way that made him uncomfortable. And he had every right within, you know, reason to, to say how he felt. No, he publicly embarrassed and shamed the mother of his child. It's full stop there. And the amount of discourse that exists after these types of things will never not be like so fucking baffling and frustrating to me. This was initially sparked from a video posted on Twitter of Kiki and Usher. It said, Usher serenades Kiki Palmer. And he quote tweets it and says, it's the alpha though, dot, 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 you a mom. And then we live in a generation where a man of the family doesn't want the wife and mother to his kids to showcase booty cheeks to please others. And he gets told how much of a hater he is. This is my family and my representation. I have standards and morals to what I believe. I rest my case which after this initial backlash, he briefly deleted his Twitter account. He then came back on to kind of mock the reports of him deleting it. He retweeted a Pop Crave post about the whole situation that wrote, y'all thought, and he deleted photos of Kiki from his Instagram. She then posted on Instagram from that night following these tweets that said, I wish I'd taken more pictures, but we were running late. I'm telling y'all right now, if you haven't seen Usher, you must go. He was fabulous, giving theater Atlanta down tips and tricks and just absolutely iconic. I was truly inspired as a performer. I whipped some ass in spades too. Where's that pick of all of us together with the king himself? Which I read that caption to say, no, she wasn't responding to this, but her continuing to post seemingly unbothered was her response, which I think was an overwhelming, fuck you. This is my life. I'm going to do exactly what I want. For one second, I just want to go back to his tweet when he says, we live in a generation where a man of the family doesn't want the wife and mother to his kids to showcase booty cheeks to please others. And he gets told how much of a hater he is. Okay. Here, aside from anything else, you have to go no further than to showcase booty cheeks to please others. That is a you issue. The fact that you believe her wearing this outfit is her need to please others is a you issue. How many times do men have to fucking understand not everything that a woman does that is perceived as sexy or provocative clothing or whatever the fuck you want to call it is for the purpose of men. It is such a frustrating reality as a woman to try to convey because you are so constantly told that there's no reality in which that could be the case, that you could just be wearing something that you feel sexy in for the purpose of feeling sexy yourself. There's always this undertone of doing it for the purpose of male attention, male validation, wanting to get a rise out of men. And it's like, I, I don't know how to explain it to you that that is a you issue that you got to work through on your own. She's doing this because she wants to have this night wearing this and a fun time with Usher. It's your fucking problem if you can't get out of your own way. Also, being a mom doesn't then automatically mean that you have to then lose all of your sex appeal or lose that. I just, it, it's just this constant conversation that I think comes up where the fragility of men is somehow, um, I actually think like weirdly enough, it gets rewarded as like, or confused as um, them being emotional or open and like, oh, that's the thing we always wanted from men, right? Like to be honest about their, like, it's all the same bullshit over and over again. It's just, I'm like so sick of having to sit and scroll through Twitter and like hear these opinions that are like dehumanizing to even read. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just, that's just simply, yeah, not, not my take on it. I was so disgusted by this. And I also just felt for Kiki. Like it was so unfortunate that 
a night where she was having so much fun turned into an attempt at humiliation on a public scale by the father of her child. Like, sorry, she does not deserve that, nor does anyone. I don't know. This whole thing, I just, I'm out on this guy. I don't know what's going to happen with them. I can't imagine that sh- she's going to be down for it, but yeah, um, I'm not down for this guy. Yeah. Me, me either. Okay. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. We'll be back later this week for Bravo and Kardashians episode eight. And I think that's it. We love you guys. Thank you.